Welcome to Platform Church Rested Life Conversations. Platform is a young, dynamic, multidimensional church. We offer inspirational, practical, and relevant teaching that is applicable for your daily living. At Platform, our teaching is relevant to people of all ages, race, color, nationality, and of different socioeconomic backgrounds. At Platform Church, we believe that the rested life is a reality for us. For more information, visit platformchurch.co.za. Enjoy the rested life conversations. Now, here is your host, Darlington Steve. We bless your name because indeed you are God of the rested life. We well, thank you, Father, for how you have seen us through, Lord, in the month of March from on the first to today being 31st. Mm. God, we say thank you. It is an awesome time for us to come on the evening and just to say, Father, we give you all the glory. We know that in a few hours from now, we'll be bidding it much goodbye and we'll be welcoming April, which is our month of advancement. Father, we say we give you all the glory. Lord, we are not ungrateful for all the things you've done in our lives. We might have lost our jobs, loved ones, and things that are somehow important. But we are very grateful that we've not lost our lives. We give you all the things and praise because indeed, like we call you in platform, you are the God of the rested life. Thank you, Father, for helping us, Lord, to find rest even in the place of our troubles, to find rest even in the place of our concerns, to find rest even in the place where men think that it has capacity to kill us. But let this is where we are today. We appreciate you. Holy Spirit, we call you this moment. We say, come down. Speak to us like never before. As we begin to look at the concluding part of the power of covenant, Lord, help our mind to receive this truth. Lord, as we begin to look at mind control systems that is fighting covenant for not being in view, Lord, teach somebody this moment. Let them not just hear the voice of Darlington. Lord, who am I? I'm just a vessel that you are using to communicate your mysteries to your people. Lord, let them hear the Christ out of my mouth in the name of Jesus. God, do what only you can do. You are the everlasting Father. You rule in the kingdom of men. Nothing can stop you. Unstoppable. You own the earth and the fullness thereof, and including everything that is in it. But yet, you still give us this very particular earth for us to be able to jogu and to rule in it. We give you all the thanks. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. And God's people say, Amen. All right, family, um, let's just go straight into the word of God and um, so that I can be out of your face um, in a few minutes from now, or probably a few hours from now. All right, last week, um, which was last week, this week, Sunday, yeah, what did I say last week? This week, Sunday, we look at the concept of covenant, where we're looking at the power of covenant. And for those of you who could not catch on Sunday service, I want to encourage you, please, catch the service, catch the service, go watch that very particular service. It's called Power of Covenant 1. Just go watch the service. You will get the, the backdrop of all that we're doing. And so last week, um, Sunday, we talked about the Power of Covenant. I gave you a covenant and covenant. Um, it's stronger than an agreement. Covenant is stronger than an agreement. Covenant is a seal. It's a seal. When you say you are in covenant with somebody, that's why, for instance, there's this very particular blood covenant people do before they get married. And, and I know what the damage of that thing can do. Uh, to the point that even when you get my, as, as simple as just cutting yourself, putting blood on your hand, you know those childish things people do. For me, I, if I'd have seen adults do those things, those childish things people do, it then has a side effect. One of the side effects that you then begin to experience with such demonic covenant, I call it demonic covenant, because the moment you guys part, it has a way of fighting you back. It has a way of fighting you. It has a way of coming back to attack you. It has a way of trying to test you. And you then begin to see, that's why, for instance, when you see the demonic kingdom, they understand what blood covenant is. Even your God himself understands the power of covenant, and we can see how 
with the power of covenant, God then by himself decided to use his son Jesus' blood to cut covenant on our behalf. He cut covenant on our behalf by the blood. So covenant is stronger. It's a seal. And so we also look into, we talked about the difference between covenant and contract. Um, one of the things in which we said on that is the fact that contract is an agreement which you can break. But covenant, um, it's an unending promise. It's an unending promise. Just because you break the covenant does not mean that the promises of it has stopped. You are the one who break the covenant. The promises are still there. When you come back into the covenant, that very particular promises also will apply in your life. There are many of us who are sitting at our churches where we are currently now. We are not enjoying the covenant of God simply because we by ourselves, we break the covenant. The Bible makes us to understand with that, that the fact that it says in the word that Psalm 87, Psalm 89, yeah, Psalm 89 from verse 34 to 37, it says, my covenant will I not break, which means as far as God is concerned, he's not going to break his covenant. There's nothing you can do that will make God break his covenant. You may be emotionally angry, you may be, you may be bitter about it and stuff, in which we're going to look at some of the reasons why people don't enter into covenant. We'll look at it from the God point of view, not circular point of view, name. From the God point of view, why people don't go into it. And, and, and also, what are the consequences, for example, just because you are born again and you're not in a covenant relationship with your father, you are not practicing every covenant that is available for you, you begin, we're going to see what are the consequences that you are currently experiencing from some of the points. I'm going to a lot of, a lot of consequences, a lot. By the time I was studying, I was, I was studying throughout last week, preparing for this very particular message and meditating in it. A lot of consequence that I see that is even in church, in the church where you and I are, we call ourselves born again, but we still experience those consequences. Why? Because we've not fully understand that this is a covenant, that it's something that you enter into. It is not a contract you sign, you enter into. It's a seal of God's promises. He says in the book of um, Hebrews chapter 4, it says, labor therefore to enter into rest. So which means the rested life we're talking about, it's a covenant that you have to enter. I was saying to somebody the other day, I said, see, you can't, you can't be in platform church for three months wholeheartedly and you are practicing what we tell you and you don't find a deliberate mark happening upon your life. It's not possible. One of the things in which I know, for example, with us as a church, I'm not saying it because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because it's what I get as a report, the testimony that comes, is the fact that your eyes of your understanding begins to get enlightened to the truth of God's word in the person of Christ, and you begin to push yourself to manifest that in your marketplace. I'm a marketplace apostle. I'm a marketplace apostle. I'm called to send rest. I mean, to give rest into the people. But at the same time, also, I also operate on the market sector. That's why some of my teachings, or majority of my teachings, you found it round about influences of mountains, ability for us to talk about what is happening in Africa and all those things. That's my grace. And so based on that, it says, my covenant will I not break. There are covenants that you can enter into that guarantees for financial rest. There are covenants you can enter into that guarantees for what you call for prosperity which is prosperity of your soul and your spirit. There are covenants you can enter into that guarantees for all-round rest that is happening around your life. Wherever stress is, there are covenants you can enter. How do we know about that? There is a woman we got to understand in the Bible. Her name is called Hannah. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, the Bible says, And Hannah, guess what? She was all the time coming to Shiloh. Shiloh is the place of God. So just because you are coming into church or you are coming to church does not mean that you are in the covenant of God. <laughs> Because from Hannah, we could see that. Hannah keep coming to church. She was coming. The Bible says, as the custom is. If you read the scripture, it says, as their custom is. Which means it's no more thing that they do. But that day, 
Anna decided to say, no, I'm not, I ain't going to stay this way. Never, never. If I want my child to come out, there must be a covenant that I, Anna, have to cut with this God. And when she cut the covenant with God, that same, okay, the Bible says, according to the time of life. Yeah. Which means, according to the time of life, she gave birth, fulfilled her covenant, and boom, extra five children was added by just adhering. Remember, she entered into the covenant. As she entered into it, practiced all the demands of the covenant. And based on that also, she responds to the covenant. And as she responds to the covenant, every other thing that needs to happen in her life happens. Remember, she was just asking God, God, if you give me a male child, I'll give it back to you. She just wants her name to change from Hannah to Mama Samuel. There are some of you who just want your name to change from just being married to, I mean, from being single to marry. There are some of you who just want your name to change from living a life of poverty to a life of prosperity. There are some of you who just want your life to change by, by living, for example, living in a place whereby it is, it is not what you want to a place where you want. But all of that promises, it has to come from a standpoint of covenant. The Bible makes us to understand the second Peter chapter 1 then. It says, according to his divine power, has he given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. He said, but through the knowledge, the knowledge of the covenant, the knowledge of what to do. So the promises, the great grandeur of God's promises are available, but it only comes from the platform of covenant relationship with him. And so with that being said, this very particular moment, um, I think I remember we look at five major covenants. We talk about in um, what's called Noah, Noah covenant. We also look at Abrahamic covenants. We look at Mosaic covenants. We look at Davidic covenants. And then um, we also look at the new covenant, which is the one that was routed in Christ. And after then also, we also look at the six ways uh, God backs his covenant. Six ways he backs his covenant. Six ways. I remember the first one is the fact that we look at the covenant that he backs with the word of God. It says, my covenant will I not break. Or neither author the things that has gone out of my mouth. Which means he has promised you divine health. So he's not going to break the covenant that guarantees for divine health. He's promised you marital settlement. He's not going to break the covenant that guarantees for marital um, settlement. And so based on that. So we now look at that very particular place also. That what, that, what does the word of God contain? I'm trying to do a, a what's called a, a, a preview of everything. Go back to last week's Sunday, you will get it better. I'm, I'm in a hurry just so I can get into finishing the service today. We look at what does the Bible entails or what, when you read the Bible, what are the things you will find? Number one, you will find the promises of God. The promises of God are scattered throughout the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Promises of God are everywhere. Number two, also, you will find um, the principle of God. Because the truth of it is the fact that for every promises that is available in the Bible would would, would entails or would demand of principle from you. It would demand you to adhere to principle. For instance, you can't be believing God for, 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 for advancement. For instance, like next month, from tomorrow, someone for advancement. You can't be believing God for advancement without you engaging the principle that guarantees for advancement. Advancement is not just going to fall on your head. I don't care how you pray and fast and how you bind the devil. It's not going to fall. But until you engage the principle that guarantees... For example, he says in Matthew 6, 33, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Now that is his principle and its righteousness. He says, then all these other things that you're looking for, it's going to come. So if you don't seek that very particular principle, the question there is, is seek first the kingdom. Then the question you need to ask yourself, what is this kingdom I need to seek? And says, seek his righteousness. You begin to ask, as you begin to find those things, you begin to partner with those things. And then all the other things that you are dying to get, 
will be added to you. So number one, remember the word of God contains the promises of God. It contains the principle of God. Number three, it also contains um, what you call the person of God. It contains the person of God. In that person of God also, we can look at it, which is the person of Christ. It contains the person of God. And number four, it contains the power. Indirectly, you can say the mystery. So it comes with four P's. It comes with the person of God, with the person of God, the principle of God, the promise of God, and the power of God. So now these four P's, you find them when you find yourself engaging the covenant of the word of God. We also look at the covenant of prayers. The ability for you to pray. Luke chapter 18 verse 1, it says, men ought always to pray. Always. For some of you, you know me, your pastor is a praying pastor. Because no matter what we want to do, yes, we are going to sit and talk about the advice and find one how to go about it. But I promise you, I will always pray about it. I will always pray. Because why? I understand that prayer is a covenant. It's the only channel that guarantees my communication to heaven. And there are various forms of prayer. For instance, throughout this month, we'll be doing 5 a.m. confession. That's another form of prayers. There are forms of prayer whereby it's intercessory. There are forms of prayer whereby it's meditative. There are forms of prayers whereby they are confessional. There are forms of prayer whereby they are, they are what you call interceding. So there are different kinds of prayer you can bring in. So, but they all are covenant prayers. We also look at covenant in the name of Jesus. There is a covenant that sponsors the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 to verse 11, it says that God has made sure that the name of Jesus is highly exalted to the point that both powers in heaven and on earth respond to that very particular name. So if you engage the covenant of the name of Jesus, for me, this is how I call the name of Jesus. I say the name of Jesus is a stamp. It's that stamp that you put for your product to be taken. For example, you are praying and you don't end it with the name of Jesus. The angels that are assigned to your destinies or assigned to your life don't know where to carry the prayers to. Because they look at the prayer, they're like, okay, where are we taking this thing to? Like, we don't understand because there's no stamp. The stamp there is in the name of Jesus. You see, at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, which is tongues now, tongues to come, powers now, powers to come. It says, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Lord. The name of Jesus. We also look about the covenant of day and night. Oh, I, I love the covenant of day and night. Um, because I think somebody was asking me somewhere around this week. And he says, I never knew that there's a covenant with day and night. I said, yes, so what is the question? He says, um, so that covenant is applicable to everybody. I said, yes. Just because you are an unbeliever does not mean that this covenant of day and night doesn't happen to you. How do I know unbelievers are alive? They are all operating on the covenant of day and night. Um, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28. That's a covenant of day and night. The Bible says, and God blessed man. He didn't bless the born again. He blessed man. So that is a blessing that follows man. That as they wake up day and night. Which means, what does that covenant entails? The covenant entails progress. It entails advancement. That as you wake up every morning, there must be something better of you that you were aware yesterday. There must be something better of you. He says in the book of Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. He says, while the edge remain. It says, seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer. Day and night. He says, shall not cease. What is it making us to understand? Ability for you to put progress. You must sign a covenant with advancement. You must sign a covenant. You must. Next month from tomorrow is going to be our month of advancement. The ability for you to know how do I need to advance in every area of my life. It's going to be one of the teachings. I think next month is going to be a bit of a lot of teachings. A lot of teachings. Apart from the prayer and fasting, we're going to start from tomorrow. A lot of teachings. 
the same thing I'm doing. My wife is also doing the same thing. I have a couple of sons and daughters also who are doing the same thing. So you also must engage on those very particular covenants of day and night. Then we talk about covenant of sacrifice. We talk about covenant of sacrifice. On that part, I give you about three or four covenants of sacrifice that are in there. For example, there is a personal sacrifice, which means you yielding yourself as a living sacrifice before God. It says, present your body living sacrifice, not dead ones. Not when you are finished, you have wasted your life, then the remaining two minutes of your life, you now want to come and, and be with God. It ain't going to work, I'm sorry. That's why I tell everybody, see, see, not everybody God can use. Honestly, not everybody God can use. God can use everybody, but not everybody he can use. <laughs> I don't know if, if that talk makes sense. He can use everybody, but not everybody can use. On the covenant of sacrifice, dear, personal sacrifice, there is a way you will push yourself personally that God will be able to use you. He said there are vessels of gold, vessels of honor, vessels of silver, vessels of dishonor. He says, but if the vessels of dishonor will purge themselves and, ready, and make themselves ready for the master's use, they will be vessels of honor. But just because you are vessels of dishonor does not mean, when we mean dishonor, we're not saying that God doesn't like you, no. That very particular scripture is just saying that when you purge yourself and ready to be used, so it's not the fact that you are not honored, it's just the fact that you are not usable. So which means not everybody is usable in this kingdom. There are some of you, I want to be like Pastor Darlington. I want to be able to do what he's doing. I want to be like Pastor Kanyisa. Her calmness, her chill, her ability for her to be, to be, to be an encourager. When she preaches, she just, she just make light and stuff. Trust me. It's all because she made herself available to become vessels of honor. And God then decided to use her in those very particular aspects. But trust me, Yes, before now, including myself, we were all vessels of dishonor. <laughs> but when we wake up to the responsibility that it comes with personal sacrifice, we are here today. So we also talk about personal sacrifice when it comes to your resources. Resources in the sense that you're giving, your, your, your literal cash, your first fruits, your tithe. Your, for example, now we are month end. If you're a platform family, I know that things may be difficult and stuff. It's your covenant responsibility for you to give your tithe. Your tithe is your covenant responsibility. It's your one-tenth of your net or gross. Because a lot of people get confused. For me, I tell them, do whichever one you feel, either net or gross, but it's your one-tenth of what comes into your account, either daily, weekly, monthly, dependent. Now, that's a covenant. It is not a negotiation. It is not a negotiation. You can't say, no, you know, today, I don't want to, I don't want, I'm not giving my tithe. Or, for example, I'm going to give my tithe zero point, what's it called? I'm going to remove... 1,000 from, for example, let's say your tithe is 2,000. I'm going to remove 1,000 and I'm going to give just 1,000 and that's my tithe. No, it's not your tithe, it's an offering. <laughs> it's not your tithe. Your tithe is one-tenth. That's how the Bible says it. Hebrews chapter 7 gives us a clear indication of how men receive of all the tithe and your offering, but in heaven, Christ by himself received that. See, when, you, when people are afraid of giving their tithe and offering, do you know what you are saying to God? That God, I don't trust you. When it comes to the financial sacrifice, you are saying that God, I don't trust you. It's as simple as that. And if you say, God, I don't trust you, then why will he also, why will, she, why will he, which is God, also trust you with abundance of finance? He will not also. So we have the sacrifice of resources, which is your givings, your tithes, your offering, your personal sacrifice, your prophetic seed, and, 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 and whatever the Lord lays in your heart. Then we also have another sacrifice, which is the sacrifice of your gift and your talent. The ability to be usable, work in Christ. Then we also end it by using the word, okay, not, not ending, we have covenant with man. And then covenant with man, we break it into two, which is covenant with your prophet and covenant with just earthly men. There are covenant with your prophet, 
um, which a lot of a lot of people are afraid of that, and I understand why. Which is my message has now started. <laughs> I talked other parts to just give you a preamble as to where we are now. Um, we have covenant with anointed prophets of God, and this is one thing. Uh, like I said to you, I don't want to preach. I just want to teach. This is one thing that has caused a lot of damage in the body of Christ, um, simply because of the the pureness of it, and also. It can also be manipulated. A lot of people have then fall victim of this very particular covenant, the covenant with prophet. Um, good evening, my beloved. I see you. Don't worry. It's okay. It's okay. As long as you are in service, I'm good. I'm talking about Mammon Paul. It's good to see you. And then to every one of you also who are currently streaming, I can see Lucas. It's good to see you. Sonny Edwards, nice meeting you. All right, let's go. The covenant with um, anointed prophet. Now, this is something that... You know, I, I get, I, I, I shrink. My wife has some, so many times tried to encourage me for me to preach this thing properly. <laughs> I, I, I really don't know how to bring it properly because we live in a society whereby when you try to bring the truth of God's word, people then begin to think as if you're trying to manipulate them. And so because of that, I then just, I, I sketch around, but I'll try one of these days whereby I just come and just talk about the office of a prophet, or indirectly the office of your five-foot ministers, office of a five-foot ministers. And, and one of the things that I said to people, I said, if you find that your prophet has no covenant with other prophets, you have no business submitting to them. You have no business because where are they pulling from? Where are they pulling from? I've seen, I've seen a lot of, for instance, I call them these itinerary ministers um, because God has given them a certain level of grace and possibility. They then don't understand the place of covenant responsibility with a spiritual father or their prophet. They don't. And so I see a lot of people, they'll tell me, no, pastor, that this very particular lady I submit to and stuff. And I don't have a problem with that. I ask them, does that lady submit to somebody? If he said, no, I'm sorry, your destiny is not secured. Because there is no way she'll be able to carry you. She can only carry you as far, she or he can only carry you as far as to the level of the father in which they submit to. See, this thing about covenant with your anointed prophet is the fact that God by himself has invested a certain level of power your prophet carries to overwrite something for you. Let me give you one particular scripture this moment because I want us to see that scripture. That scripture will bless somebody this morning concerning the, the, the story of, 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 um, of David. Um, remember that David, David was already ordained, for lack of a better word, he was already ordained as the king um, in, in the land. And so Saul was refusing David so I was refusing David to actually mount his throne. But there's something that happened in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18. I want to read that quickly. 1 Samuel 19, verse 18. Before we get to verse 18, this is what happened. When David was in trouble, because this is what your anointed prophet can do for you. That's why for me, I pity people who fight these things. I, I wouldn't talk more than that. I just, all I'll say is I pity you. Let your eyes be open to see. Now, this is what happened with David. David was going through trouble, and look, look, if you look at verse 18, where we are going to read now, 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18, 1 Samuel 19, verse 18, if you look at David's life, when David looked at the trouble that was coming in his life, do you notice that Jonathan was there, who was his friend? He has a lot of guys who are his friend, but guess what happened? He did not run to Jonathan, he didn't run to his guys or his boys in the army, he ran to the house of the prophet. He ran there. 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18. Let's look at it. The Bible says here, it says, So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel in Roma and told him all that Saul had done to him. 
and he and Samuel went dwell in Naboth. He now says in verse 19, look at what began to happen. Because David understand the place of prophet, he understand the place of its priesthood covering. I'm saying this because the global prophet, I'm not saying that, which means every one of you, see, if you have your own pastors, you are listening to and co, and hear me, whoever feeds you primarily, that's your prophet. I don't care what you want to say. Whoever feeds you, if you have a local church you are attending, because I've seen a devil that is currently peddling themselves in the church. You hear this person that said, no, you are going to, for example, you are coming to Platform Church. I'm, just, I'm going to use myself as an example. You are coming to Platform Church or you are under Platform Church Commission and yet you say, no, my spiritual father is T.D. Jakes. That's nonsense. It, see, <laughs> it's not going to work. It's an error of the devil because the devil knows that the day is going to attack you. You cannot call T.D. Jakes. You can't. As powerful as the man of God is, he has no knowledge of who you are. And let's say he even have a knowledge of who you are. As long as you are not in his service, you are not in his Wednesday service, his Sunday service, his whatever service, you don't sit in church to get blessed by him, he is still not your spiritual covering. Still not your spiritual covering. He is still. Now, these are truths that you need to know. He is still not your spiritual covering. So it's like somebody in platform church tomorrow and said, no, my spiritual father is... I'm what you called Andrew Womack. Is it Womack or Womack? I keep forgetting that very particular, his surname and stuff. Holy Spirit, forgive me. Man of God, if I pronounce your name wrongly, have mercy on me. Let's say now, you now say it's now your spiritual father is Pastor Andrew. And Pastor Andrew, because he's matured, he'll ask you, have you attended our service? Are you born again here? Have you done our foundational class? Have you done all the things that we, and you say, no, 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 no. He looked at you now, you're not. He will tell you, you know, that man is, <laughs> I like the way he preaches. <laughs> he will tell you truth and still smile. And the truth is like, ouch. And yet he's still smiling. What am I trying for you to understand? When you want to carry your prophet, you want to receive of your prophet, it has to be a prophet that you have access to. Me, your pastor, I do have. I do have a prophet that I submit under to. I have parents, spiritual parents that I go to. When I know that things are going wrong, I run to them. When things are even right, I still run to them. I do that. And guess what? By the time I run to them, I come back with better solution. Why? Your prophet gives you, because of the battles they fought, they give you systems and asanas for you to walk through that battle without even you fighting it. That's what they do for you. They make sure that they carry their, all their investment. You know those prayers, those confessions we like confessing, whereby men of influence and credibility, your pastors or your spiritual covering has that very particular grace. They invest their credibility on you to say, okay, all the things I've gathered in ministry for the past 30 years, now take it for the next five years and go and run. Bruh. That's good. <laughs> Why? That's how the system. The Bible here says, First Samuel chapter 19, it says here, it says, and, and, and now this word, guess what happened? Let's, let's now go to First Samuel 19, 19. It says, and it was told of Samuel saying, behold, David is in Naboth in Roman. It says, and Samuel sent messengers to take David. It says, and when they come to the company of the prophets, it said they started prophesying. And Samuel standing as appointed over them, the spirit of the Lord was upon the messenger of Saul, and they also prophesied. Guess what? If you read from verse 21, 22, King Saul keeps sending people to go and attack David. But as long as David was still under the covering of Samuel, they could not get him. There are some of you, there are some certain battles you don't need to fight to. These are truths that the devil has used to manipulate a lot of us, and we are not then benefiting from it. It's as simple as that. We're not. Because they tell that, no, the pastor, this pastor is going to do this, this pastor is going to do that, and all of a sudden you then become afraid. 
And guess what? As the more you are free, the more the blessing that partakes of that office that the prophet carries, he will not benefit from it. Isaiah, okay, let me finish this one before I read Isaiah. He now says in verse 22, he says, Then went he also, which means the King Saul, because he was wondering, why will I send these people go to go and catch this guy? I'm sending all the arrow, arrow of poverty, lack, want, bitterness, anger, whatever. He was sending them to go and meet David. But yeah, nothing was happening. Because why David was under a covering. Now, guess what happened now in verse 22? He said, then he also went, and he went with a great multitude for them to go and meet David. Now, guess what? He says in verse 23, and he went thither to Nahob in Raman, and the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he also went on and prophesied until he came to Naot in Ramah. He stripped um, his clothes off also and prophesied before Samuel in a like manner and lay down naked all day and all night. Wherefore he says, and people were asking, a soul also among the prophets. Guess what? Prophet Samuel was sitting down. David came submitting himself under him. But all of a sudden, as all the attacks were coming, but as long as this umbrella was covering the guy. Do you notice that it was not, we didn't hear of what David was doing here. When you read the scripture, David was just under the covering and that was just all. Remember we preach about dates. We preach tribe. From that very particular scripture, David was from the root of Jesse. I mean, God, Jesus was from the root of Jesse, which is the root of David. If Jesus understood, I mean, if David understand the place of covenant, prophetic grace covering him. No wonder we saw God and Jesus himself. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, he said he humbled himself. He said he did not count himself equal with God. He understand the place of humility to serve a prophet. And just because he was there, do you notice that if John the Baptist did not say this is the one, there is no way we will know about So he submits himself as big as he is, God in flesh. He still has to submit himself under a system called John the Baptist. Because if there is no hand that covers him, no man will hear his voice. No man. The covenant of prophet. The covenant of prophet. I'm going to stop there so that we then continue our stuff. Then also, I remember we tell you, what's it called? How do you have access? Number one, you must be born again. Number two, you must humble and turn to God. You want to engage this very particular covenant, you must humble and turn to God. Because people have said a lot of things about the covenant, covenant of prophetic grace, covenant of um, what's it called? Covenant of sacrifice, covenant of the word of God, covenant of prayers, covenant of day and night, covenant of, of in the name of Jesus. And you now wake up one morning and says no because you don't want. Do you notice something? Just because you don't do it doesn't change God's opinion. I mean, it doesn't change God's position. It only derails you of the blessing that he has for you. It does not. It does not. Literally, it doesn't change God's position. God is not emotional like you. <laughs> he is. He is a true father. Is a so you must humble yourself. You must humble yourself. And number three, what are the answers? Is the fact that you must crave for the Asian part and follow through. Crave for the Asian part. Crave for it. Number one, be born again. Number two, humble yourself. See, these things, as long as it's in your Bible, let me say this to you. As long as it's in your Bible, and God has given somebody a good grace to explain it better to you, stop fighting it. Because the more you fight it, the more the enemy is happy that you are not doing it, and the more the enemy is beating you to the game. Remember, you are dealing with an Asian guy also called Lucifer. Lucifer is an Asian guy in his own, in his own right. He was created by God himself. So before you man was created, he understood the system that was operating in heaven. He understood. 
He knew that man would be created. He knew. It didn't take Lucifer unaware when he was on earth. He didn't take him unaware that, okay, oh boy, whoa, man is about to be. No, he wasn't, he wasn't shocked. Do you notice that when God was creating the earth, I mean, for lack of a better word, rebuilding the earth, the Bible says that Lucifer was just chilling. After God finished, he showed up. Came in a, in a form of a serpent. He came to attack man in the Garden of Eden. He knew. So he wasn't surprised. He wasn't surprised. He knew. Now, that's the person that you want to now go and say, you know, because everybody is going this road, let me just go this road. And God is saying, see, align yourself to covenant principle. It says in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 7, Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7 from verse um, 14. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves. So which means there are God's people that are not humble. Remember this is a mind shift towards this. Let's, let's be honest. You are not humble in all of the seven covenants I've brought. You are not humble. You know. He said, if my people. He's not saying the unbelievers. Because the covenant, the promises of God are available for his people. You see, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. What wicked ways? Fighting against the covenant of God is a wicked ways. It says, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. If you see wars and trouble going, that's why for me I'm not, I'm not as much as God is going to help us, platform church is going to grow in numbers and stuff. My job is to make sure that I make sure that every one of you, I treat you like co-laborers with Christ. Co-laborers. Not, it's, not it's not a celebrity thing. It's not, a, it's not a cinema where the actors and actresses act and go after 20 minutes and there's no way you can ask them, why do you act that movie? What's your character there? Because you can't find them. No. My job is to teach you. To teach you. And as I teach you, I teach you from things I do. It says, if my people... Mark that word, my people will humble themselves. Which means God recognized that people are not humble. Number two, humble and turn to God. Number three, crave for the ancient part and follow through. Follow through. Follow through. I've given you seven covenants. Take one each day. Follow through it. In fact, you need all the seven to be in accordance because each one carries what they do in your life. Each one carries it. Each one, covenant of the word of God, carries what it can provide for you. Covenant of prayers and fasting carries what it can provide for you. Each one carries their own thing. So your part is stop the argument. You can't, you can't argue with an Asian God who created you. He says, this is my way. He says, my covenant will I not break. Neither turn the voice or probably negate my voices in which I have said. He said, I will not turn my covenant. So he's not going to bend for you. Why are you fighting? I promise I don't, I really, I think because I just wanted to talk today. Why are you fighting? Just engage. Just engage. Oh yes, I see you. <laughs> just engage. Just engage. Let's look at Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 to 19. Jeremiah 6, 16 to 19. Then after then we'll look at when you break God's covenant, what then happened? Um, when you break God's covenant, what then happened? Then finally we'll now look at why people find it difficult. To go through with this covenant. This mind shift tells this. I'm sure. Jeremiah chapter 6, 16 to 19. It says here, Toss seer the Lord. It says, Stand ye in the way and see. It says, Ask for the old path where the, where the way is good. It says, And walk therein. Toss seer the Lord. God is the one speaking here. It says, Stand ye in the ways and see. 
ask when you see pastors, for example, we like we we who are the five-foot ministry. When I see pastors who are pulling grand results, I go sit down. I don't go there to question to question them. No, I go to ask, what are you guys doing? Because why those are ancient parts. I was saying to a particular covenant brother of mine who is who's a pastor in Nigeria, and I was saying to him, I said, Do you notice that? Our generation, with all the with the advancement of media and everything and co, we've lost the power of God. We are losing it day in day because why? We want to score likes and followers, and so we forget the time to pay what our fathers pay. I refuse to be that generation. Refuse. Refuse. I will not be the I go seek the part of our fathers. I seek the part. I call, man of God, these are the things I'm seeing that is happening in your ministry. What is the secret? And as they tell me, I can't find them because I don't question them. I go and do it immediately. It says, it says, after you have sick for the old part, Jeremiah chapter 6, 16 to 19. You see, after you have sick for the old part, it says, then walk daring. There are some certain dimensions of life that you want to break into. It can only come from seeking the old part, from going back. Forget this, this new beast, this, this bomb-free generation that we are. Where everything just because it's on Google or you Google it, Nigeria call it Google. Just because you Google it and it's there, all of a sudden you think it's right. No, spend time, ask questions, questions to know to do, not question to question the questions. No, no. Do you notice that the rate of suicide in our generation is very high compared to the days of our fathers? What is the difference? Are we not human beings like they are? We've accepted not that gospel that is causing the problem for us in church. We've accepted another system that is causing the pain for us. It says, walk daring. It says, and if you walk daring, guess what it says? It says, and you shall find rest for your soul. My dear, hear me and hear me what? Your pastor, this is how I preach to you people. You want rest? If there's no covenant, no principle, no promises and stuff, I'm not going to, see, I'm not those pastors where you come, I tell you, um, you know, and um, the Lord said, um, just go and put, um, what's it called, uh, go and carry candle and carry goat. I, I don't do those nonsense. Don't. But I promise you, by the time you come, I check. We'll do, we'll do S3. You know what they call when, when a surgeon wants to do an operation? They bring all the apparatus put on that very particular place. You wonder, oh boy, is it my body all this knife are going into? That's why they, that's why they, this CD they call it. This CD, babe, they call it. When they want to do your operation, they do you some certain things in your body. Where they give you injection to make sure that you don't feel the pain. Anesthesia is, anest yeah, that one. You know what I'm trying to say. They give you that because by the time they, you see all the knife they want to put on your body, you forget. You will run from the hospital. They ain't happening. Because why? The Asian part is painful, but it's also gainful. Painful, but gainful. It says you shall find rest for your soul. It says, but they say we will not walk therein. They say, God said to them, this is the part. They say they are not going to walk in it. Do you notice that it's not... It's not <laughs> It's not, it's not God who refused to bless. They choose that we are not going to walk in it. The same way now God is sending me to talk to somebody this morning with all these covenant points I'm putting on the table to make you understand. It's your choice. Pastor Daniel, I'm, going, I'm not going to walk on it. It's okay. I'm fine the way I am. Now he now says in verse 17, he says, also I set watchmen over you. God says, I set watchmen. We are watchmen over your destiny. That's why for me, the day, where, the day I get into ministry, I was so afraid. Because why? Man, just the few of you that is a platform church, God asks me questions for you guys. He does. <laughs> there are some of them I can't even call you. Some of you, I end up sending you a message because I just send you a message, just beware. But what are the battles I fight on your behalf? 
He says, for I set watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. He said, but they says, we will not hearken. Hacking to the sound of the prophet, the thing your prophet Darlington is saying to you now. Hacking to it, we will not sound. Guess what? He says, I also set watchman. God was the one who set the watchman. Those covenants are part of systems that would watch over your life. But he says, we will not hacking. He says, therefore, ye nations, and no. He says, all congregations, what is among them? He says, hear, O earth, behold, I will bring upon these people even the fruit of their thoughts. It says, because they have not acted unto my word, nor my law, but have rejected it. I will bring evil. Your Bible says so. <laughs> there are some certain covenants that you negate, that you open yourself up. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, he that breaks the edge, the serpent will bite. When you break any covenant, the serpent bites. Those edge are covenant that sustains you. Covenant that sustains you. Covenant that sustains you. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. It says, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden. It says, I will give you rest. It says, I will give you rest. Rest is guaranteed. But it now gives us, verse 29, now tell us, you see, I like the Bible. Because we are very good to say, come unto me, all ye that labor, I will give you rest. You know, that's, that's platform, platform church anchor scripture is Matthew eleven twenty eight, Hebrews chapter 4. Um, from verse 1 to the end, Genesis chapter 2, from verse 2 and 3. Those are the anchor scriptures of Platform Church. But guess what? I know too well that I say 29 and 30. So I, I make sure that my preaching also fits in 29 and 30. Matthew 11, 28, 29 and 30. It says here, let's look at what it says here. It says, it says, come unto me that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest, which means whatever that you are going through, say, just come, I'm going to give you rest. Whatever means whatever. Are you seeking the body? Are you believing God for anything? Whatever. It says there's rest in Christ. He says, now look at verse 29. I say, take my yoke upon you. What is the yoke? Take my instructions and my principles. That's what he's saying here. He said, take my yoke upon. He says, learn of me. Learn, which means there is a responsibility from your side if you want to enjoy rest. He said, learn of me, for I am milk and lonely in heart. He says, and you will find rest unto your soul. He now says in verse 30, he said, for my yoke is easy. How do you look at the yoke and say yoke is easy? <laughs> he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So which means the responsibility. If you say you don't want to do it, face the heavy one outside. But if you take this responsibility of God, he calls it a burden. He said, but that burden is light. It is light. I pray for somebody this morning, the sound of my voice, listening to me on the audio side and also currently live on whatever platform you're watching me from, that you will adhere to covenant principles in the name of Jesus. Now, let's look quickly, because I want to jump to see what are the challenges, before we look at the damage, what are the challenges that we face to covenant? What are the challenges that we face? There are some certain challenges why a lot of people, so that, because one of the things I want to do this morning, I mean, this evening, God help me, this evening is the fact that I want to put some certain truth on the table, so that you then take it home and go and think about it. What are the challenges that we face when it comes to this covenant? Because there are challenges that we face. And I was one time part of that very particular mindset. But thank God, God built me. And it's funny whereby when I was in those mindsets, I was, I was claiming true no. But my true no did not do anything for me until I humbled myself. So I put it, I say generational challenges to the covenant. What are the generational challenges to the covenant? Number one, it's about five. Let's quickly go through it. 
generational challenges to the covenant because I want you to understand number one is the spread of knowledge the spread of knowledge Daniel chapter 12 verse 4 Daniel 12 4 it says here it says but you Daniel shut up the words and seal the books until the time of the end it says many run to and fro it says and knowledge shall increase Many run to and flow. He's telling Daniel, shut up the words. Which means there are some certain things you don't need because knowledge will abound in their time. And that is where we are. Haven't you seen see, part of the knowledge that is spreading now? There's this demonic program called Abafundi. I call it demonic program. I don't care. There's this demonic program. Do you notice that every time that program finishes and you watch the program, there is no way you always want to, you want to think about church. It's about spreading of knowledge. They are spreading the knowledge with a, with a, with a mindset of killing the possibility of the church but guess what the bible says the gate of hell shall not prevail over the body of christ and so based on that i'm not too bothered but i'm using this very particular program and every demonic programs and systems that are targeting the church in fact there are human beings where their job is to make sure they attack the church under the name that they are repairing it they are there i don't want to mention them you know them you know them <laughs> i know majority of them also some of them are from my nation nigeria i know them but what is the thing there? The ability for knowledge that has been spread abroad. Too much information is there and you don't even know which one to take. But my prayer for you is for you to take the one which is the word of God. So knowledge, spread of knowledge. We're living in, a, in an area where there is great learning and information flying left and right. The amount of package of books, wisdoms that is on our shelves are unimaginable. Almost every development be it spiritual or otherwise, is subject to analytical process. It says we know that the knowledge puffed up, but love edifies. So most of these derivatives from the covenant with God are viewed today as old school, not, con not conducive for today's worship. Old school. Why must I pray? After all, they say God has paid the price for me. I don't need to pray, but he says men ought always to pray. Not men ought always to pray when Jesus died and go to heaven. Always. When we talk about the covenant of prayer and fasting, the Bible says concerning Jesus, when the disciples ask, I mean, when the Pharisees and Sadducees ask Jesus, why is these guys not fasting and stuff? Jesus says, see, let them be. By the time I leave, he said, they will fast. And he now said to, he said, when you fast, fast this way. So which means there is a knowledge that fasting and prayer can carry. But many of us don't want to do that because why? A spread of knowledge. And some of those knowledge are demonic knowledge. We'll be looking into it from this from next month. Wisdom of advancement. What are the wisdom that are available out there that is causing either advancement or causing retrogression in a, in a, in a fast-paced world? The spread of knowledge. It says at the end time, knowledge shall increase. The Bible makes you to understand. Facebook and all the social media platforms, they have they are, they are avenue for knowledge. There are some of you, somebody will tell you, oh boy, if you give your tithe, you are giving a pastor money for them to spend. But you forget to understand that the Bible says, bring your tithe and the officer that there may be enough, enough meat in my storehouses. In my storehouses. He said so. He said so. I said to somebody the other day, <laughs> that no, why is it that you pastor collect tithe and offering? I said, how do we pay the bills of the properties in which we currently rent? As small as your platform church is, at this very particular moment, in quote, this moment, I'm not saying we are small. We are small at this moment, but great in size. There are bills that we pay. Your givings to this commission help us pay those bills. They help us. <laughs> Somebody once said to me, no, but you pastors need to go and work. For I say, so which means we work 
run the ministry stuff, but you know that they get to a particular point whereby even our work cannot even bankroll God's project. That's why God does not call us according to our bank account. He called us according to his account in heaven. Because he knows, myself and my wife, trust me, we can't run platform to the way with the vision God placed in our head. An ability for us to crisscross across Africa in terms of leadership, in terms of bringing systems and structure that guarantees for rush to be available. <laughs> we don't look at our bank account to do this work. We don't. And so, no matter the knowledge that is spread abroad, we are not confused. We know. Number one is the spread of knowledge. The spread of knowledge. And guess what? It's a responsibility for you to know which one you want to take or not. It is a responsibility. It is a responsibility. Nobody is going to come help you. It is your responsibility. Number two, what is again is the, is the thing that is, that is a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm just, I'm just, I'm just laughing, especially with the spread. Of, that's, that's a thought of somebody asking me something the other day. I don't want to talk about it. It's okay. Number two is the insatiable need of man. Our need, men has too many needs. And because of their too many needs, we are confronted by fault-finding generations and hypercritical, hypersensitive people. Fault-finders. Insatiable needs of men. They always want to look for fault. Always. You ask them, oh boy, you need to do this one. Why must I do it? Don't you think that if I do Yeah. <laughs> you know what I do? I laugh. I think I remember... Um, there was a time my wife brought, um, I don't know, you know, is it cousin or niece? I'm trying to remember them now. More or less, her family, uh, some of her cousin and niece joined all together. And so they came to stay with us. And so one of the days, my wife was now saying to me that, no, I need to teach them. <laughs> no, I love. I need to teach them the word of God and stuff. So in my own head, I'm teaching them the word of God and stuff. My wife was just laughing at me. And the kids were looking at me. They wonder, what the hell is this man saying? But what am I trying to bring for you here? Because of um, my standpoint for not being able to teach those particular people, this is now my own weakness. Yeah, it's my weakness. Is the fact that I know that this generation, they are fault finders. I, I see, I know what I'm called for and I'm not confused. I know, I know. There are some certain people I know I can't preach this gospel to. I, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I, you see this bomb free? Yeah. They always have fault. They always have, they are looking, they are, they are poking. I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. Go and do what you want to do. When, they, when what you do affects you, you will come back. And that's my standpoint. And guess what? They do come back. And get, when they now come back that time, they hear you. <laughs> they do hear you. Fault-finding generations. They always want to poke into things that are not needed. Why, why, why God? Somebody was asking, I think my wife was telling me that somebody was asking a man called Pastor Colinius in America that um, I think something, something that has to do with God and after then, he now asks, okay, why is it that they call God he? And why is God not she? And blah, 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 all those things. Colin has just answered the person. I'm going to my wife's story to me. He said, oh boy, you to go and find your own answer. Directly, I don't See, I think we need to help ourselves. And this is me bringing, bringing this. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs says, I think I've forgotten the chapter now. But in the book of Proverbs, it says there, it says, answer a fool. Hear the word. It says, answer a fool. So that the fool does not become foolish in their dealings. But it also said in that same chapter, it said, answer not a fool. Because why? You answering that very particular fool should you make you a foolish person too also. So you must trust God for discernment to know when this person asks question, do I answer or not? 
Because there are fault finders that no matter what you say, they will always look for, for a fault. They will always. Matthew chapter 11, 16 and 17. Let's look for scripture so that you understand. Because some of you think that, okay. Matthew chapter 11, 16 and 17. It says, but whereunto I shall liken this generation. This is Christ himself. He said, it's like unto a children sitting on a market, <laughs> sitting in the market and calling their fellows and saying, we have piped unto you and have, and you have, you have not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. The present generation of worshippers are almost impossible to please. And we always speak holes. They are whole speakers. They can come to your ministry and tell you, pastor, the sound is too loud. Oh boy, then what do you want me to do? I do this sound according to my knowledge. Ask them for them to sit down and help you do this sound. They will not. Just want to find fault and just. So please, number one, remember, the spread of knowledge is what is causing our problems with accepting this covenant of God. Number two, fault finders. According to the insatiable needs of men, they just want to look, they want to poke, just want to keep poking. Fault finders, be aware of them. They will tell you why, you know, one of the things they're fault finders, they will tell you why you should not go to a Nigerian churches. I'm a Nigerian pastor. Let's be honest. There's nothing I can do. God brought me here. I did not, when I was living in heaven, I told somebody the other day, say, how do you feel when, when, when South Africans attack you, Nigerian pastors and stuff? I said, I, I, I don't feel anything. It's painful, but I don't feel anything. Because why? I did not control my birth. My mother and my father prayed. They did what they need to do, and I popped out. And the next time I popped out, I even know I was in Nigeria. When I grew up, I know, okay, boy, you're in Nigeria. And I even begin to feel the pain of what Nigeria is when I get in. Honestly, this is the truth of me. This is my innocent truth. I begin to feel the pain of my nationality when I came into South Africa. I didn't know. I did not know. Possibility that if God has provided me with the knowledge of what it means, the pain of what an average foreigner in court goes through in South Africa, maybe, this is me saying it, I may not be in this country. But God knew that I carried the capacity. So let me not make you find faults. Go there, I'm sending you my son. And this is me here. I've developed the strength. When people ask me, how do you feel? I tell them, it's okay. It's life. I think I remember my 13 year in this country, I, I posted some testimony down there. I call it testimony. And that's my truth. That's my truth. We live in a continent whereby we've been brainwashed to make you think that Nigeria is different from South Africa or South Africa is different from Kenyans. No, we're not different. These guys just, they were just smart enough to put borders. And after putting borders, the first thing they do, I want to notice that when they put borders, the first thing they do, they devalue our currency. They make it look as if without dollars, we can't survive, without pounds and euro. I was looking at the market this morning. I mean, this morning I was watching because I hardly watch news. So I just let me just go on. Let me just see what is happening with ENCA, CNN, and Al Jazeera. And I was watching them. And all of a sudden, I begin to see how the currency now is really performing very bad simply because one Russia and Ukraine are fighting. How does that concern us? How? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, it may sound as if I'm cold, but let's be honest. This is a continent. We're not fighting. How? But because they know that if we can divide them, we can conquer them. Go check 400, 500 years ago of your history. Go and check it. There's nothing like borders. Go check the stories of the like of Mansa Musa. That guy owns almost close to one third or two third of Africa in terms of landmarks and possessions and dominion. Check the guy called Herod in the Bible. Herod, Herod was a strong man in Genesis, I think Genesis chapter 7 or Genesis chapter 6. He was a strong man, was a black man from Africa. There was no borders. So what nonsense. It's there in your Bible. In case if you think that, okay, no, that's it. Go and check your Bible. It's there in your Bible. Your Herods and co. They were guys that were ruling. Your Ethiopia, the Ethiopia eunuch, the queen of Sheba that came from Ethiopia, the same Ethiopia, she jet down to go and see 
What's it called? What's the name of the guy again? Solomon. But yet she was in Ethiopia. <laughs> what are we saying? Fault finders. They want to pick. Yeah, the reason why this is happening is because these foreigners are in Be matured. Be matured. Remember today I said we are having conversations. I'm not preaching. Just be matured. Don't let all these things derail you. People will find fault and tell you things that you don't want to hear. Or some of, some of the things also you are panting to hear them. Your business is to filter them and say, okay, I hear you. Thank you for the information. I move on with my life. Do you know how many pastors come to meet me and tell me stuff? If I want to use information, they even tell me, even we pastors, I will put myself in trouble. But I give people chances and benefit of the doubt. And I go. And trust me, most of the times I end up hanging around those people and I find out that what this person said was actually a lie. Like, okay, what the hell is going on? Fault finders. People can be jealous and tell you things that is not needed. <laughs> Number three. What is again is our generational problems why we don't want to engage in covenant. And this is me. I'll be very honest. The failures of fathers. I call it the failures of fathers. Sometimes our fathers out of, out of their sympathy and out of them trying to cushion us. They've cushioned us out of covenant responsibility. How do I know? First Samuel chapter 8. 4 and 5. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4 and 5. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 4 and 5. It says here, Then the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel. Remember Samuel at that point, Samuel was the priest. Unto Samuel in Ramah, and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy son walk not in thy ways. Let's pause there. Thou art old, and your sons and not walking in the ways. Our fathers, out of two things, out of either the pain that they, were, they, got, they go through, or either the fact that they are tired of trying to, to answer our poking questions, they choose not to tell us the real deal, the real McCoy of what this covenant is all about. You will see here, Samuel's children could not continue their father's legacy, and they now begin to produce nonsense. He said, because your sons do not walk in the way. He says, now make unto us king like other nations so that they can rule over us. Because our fathers in quotes, and here means not their fault. Our fathers say, you know me, I support fathers. I don't care the weaknesses of fathers. I support them to eternity. I will stand and die for fathers if need be. Because tomorrow I'll be one. In fact, there are some of you are already fathers to you guys. So I will stand and fight for fathers of faith. They gave us what they know. Our business is to keep holding on to their dreams and turning their dreams to vision to run our lives. I remember I was on the mountain on Tuesday when God said some certain things concerning fathers in this nation. I cried myself. One day is coming, I'm going to talk about that encounter that I had in the mountain. For three good hours, I cried. God, why? Why? And the responsibility upon me, I sat down on that very particular place on the ground. I sat down. I wail like a baby. For our fathers to fail, it's not intentional for them to fail that part. It's somehow we, the children, will become prognosers, fault finders, questioners that has no impute to the advancement of the kingdom. No impute. For Saul, for Samuel, I mean, the people said, your children are not working in the ways. What's the problem? Possibility that Samuel did not teach his children the ways and the covenant of God. How do I know? We saw with the life of Abraham. God said concerning Abraham. He says, um, Abraham is, is my friend. 
He says, Abraham would teach his children's children my ways. There are ways our fathers are not teaching us the children. And guess what? Possibility, and I believe that this possibility I want to bring on top is the main one. Possibility that we, the children, we are very stubborn. I don't know how to use the word my, because my mouth is beginning to run fast now. We are very stubborn. ITK generation. I do know. That's our problem. That's our problem. We claim to know because we now understand Greek and Hebrew. Do you think that the devil understands Greek and Hebrew when he wants to buy it? You go and tell the devil, um, what's it called? In Greek, it's called Tatahiko. It is the devil knows that. The devil knows power and rebuke. That's what our fathers, they carry. Guess what with the life of Samuel and Eli? Do you notice that Samuel keep hearing the voice of God calling him? But Eli knows by experience how to respond to that voice. The reason why some of our generation pastors currently now in South Africa, I'm going to say it, why we look as if we are going down. Let me say this, hear me and hear me well, I'm one of you. If you want to stone me, it's okay. I'm one of you. We've neglected our lines of our fathers. It is high time to go and find the fathers. Apologize and be ready for you to receive the covenant that sustained them to be what they are doing today. You look at the likes of, what's it called? I think it's called Apostle S.D. Gumbi. You look at the likes of Bishop Musa Sono. Look at the likes of Pastor Ray McCauley. You think those guys still standing alive. And yet their church still keep going. You think it's just bad. Go and check what. They don't understand Greek and Hebrew. But they understand the result and they have experience. If we fail, our fathers did not fail. Let me hear, we, this generation, we failed. We failed. Because now we have too many spread of information. Some one idiot will come and tell you, ah, spiritual fatherism is a manipulation of the devil. They are just trying to learn to be. Even Paul, the apostle, he said you have many mentors but one father. Paul said it. Many. He said you have many counselors and many tutors. But I, your spiritual father, one. One. So as much as you have all those counselors who are counseling you out of God's will, be careful. You will bleed where you don't need to bleed. Because the fathers have bleed on that part. Your business is to align yourself there. Point number three, the failures of fathers. Back to my context. What happened? The covenant could not continue here. Samuel failed his children. He failed his children. I was saying to my wife the other day, <laughs> said, my children, I'm in Nigeria. <laughs> Come on, tell me you have rights. No, I have my right for me not to study. And this is one of the things that I see in South Africa. Say, I have my own opinion. Please, I'm sorry. If you didn't wrong you, it's okay. Forgive me. I'm just expressing myself. No, this is the thing I found in South Africa here. No, you can't, you can't do corporate punishment and stuff. And the government is the one that dictates government who they can't even budget. They can't, what you call, use the budget they have properly. We see all the corruption happening in government. Then that same government will now come and want to now govern your children. Haba. You too be responsible now. You see parents cannot, parents are looking forward. After school is over, how they can send their children back to after care. Because they can't stand the corruption and the decay the children is currently experiencing. And guess what? <laughs> You're also a father. You are failing. Let me say, you are failing. Your children can't come and tell you, no, it's my right for me to choose whatever I want to serve on my religion. Where? Which, who gave you that right? Who? Where, how, where did you get it from? In my house? I'm paying your school fees. You, no, government said, you will leave my house tonight. You will go and stay with government. Let me see how government will take care of you. If we all come like that and we wake up and throw a revolution to government, government will know. What nonsense is that? See, let me say this. Check it. People who bring this demonic loss, this is how I call it, go and check their family. Nothing is working. And so out of their pain, they want to corrupt your own. And so they bring their failures into government systems. They bring it. They bring it. I've seen, I met a particular white, white family like that when I was still doing my business. I was privileged to meet this family. <laughs> 
I was shocked when I see the shambok. This man used to flog his children. I said, and then your children will call cops on you. He laughed. This is what he said to me. Mark the word. He says, we put that very particular law just to make sure that the law of corporal punishment, we brought it just to make sure that the black children do not get discipline and instructions so that the whites will always remain at the top. I said, even down to parenting. I said, yeah, you people are wicked though. He said that to me. White. He said it to me. I, I said, what? So you guys took the law to this extent? He said, no, we brought it. He said, because when we teach our children disciplines, when we teach them ability, and guess what? Don't you notice that they are the ones still ruling now? <laughs> My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. For lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for that. When the man said that to me, <laughs> I said, well, thank you for telling me, but I'm in Nigeria, so it's okay. My country does not have any law of corporal punishment. It doesn't have it. I told my wife, I remember we were driving yesterday coming. I said, my, my children will not wake up and tell me. Now, no, this is, I'll send you. If I know that Harvard will cause me problems, i send you to Covenant University. Send you straight to Covenant University in Nigeria. When you see Koboko that looks like a, that, that looks like a pole wire, you will respect yourself. Your brain will correct. To correct. Have the fact, I feed you, I clothe you. And this is the thing, parents, hear me. You feed them, you clothe them. You control what they should believe in. You control. They come and say, no, my mom is my right, and you agree. And you wonder why now they have now gone on a wire. Their right has turned left. And you are sitting down waiting for government to come and solve the problem again. You'll be shocked. The failures of fathers. The failures of fathers. If I ask you right now, concerning your children, have you started teaching them the covenant principles of God? Even you yourself too, you don't even know it. In fact, you are, you are ignoring it. So how do you teach your children? He says, Abraham, my servant, he would teach his children. He would teach his children. He would teach his children. Can God call you? Hey, darling, my servant, he will teach his children. Can God say that concerning you? Or you just sit down and just, these are the reasons why covenant. People don't engage in that. People don't. Because why? You, the fathers, me, the father, we've neglected the part of teaching you this. Point number four. What is again? It's the problem. Phew. We talked about this this morning. There's a lack of evidence and patience. Lack of evidence. People are not get people are not seeing the evidence as the way they want to see it. And sometimes also the patient for them to see it. So it's lack of evidence and patience. Lack of evidence. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12, it says that ye be not slothful in business, but followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promise. Faith and patience obtain. See, guess what? Me, your pastor, I follow fathers of faith that I see faith and patience and they've obtained. Our generation is looking for somebody who started. See, I don't, I don't have such guys in my, 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 my domain. Because you start church on Monday, by Wednesday, the church must grow to become five million. Oh, but I, I'm not going to submit to you. I'm sorry. Never. I won't because I know that's a disaster going somewhere to happen very fast. That's a disaster. So because of that, I jet, I'm going to see this in parable. I open my window to Jerusalem. I'll leave it there. Because why? I've seen faith and patience. Faith and patience. See, the, the part of lack of evidence, whereby, no, there's no evidence for us to see this very particular thing works. The question is the fact that do you walk it? Walk it and let's see. I have fathers of faith that I've seen scattered across the face of the earth that their patience and endurance pull off what they want to see. The problem is with you is the fact that you lack patience. 
If at the evidence you say you can't even see evidence, I just put lack of evidence because let me just help those whereby know the reason why is because because part of the thing I did my research, like no, there is no evidential truth of this very particular thing. There is evidence. The problem is the fact that you are not looking. You are not looking. You are not looking. Have you gone and check Hannah the prophetess, who sat down pray for over sixty years for Jesus to come? Simeon the prophet prayed him himself to make sure that Jesus established. Are you telling me there is no evidence? No, there is. Your problem is the fact that you are a microwave generation. You want two minutes. And you don't have grace for five minutes. Two. And bam. Ah, this is not working. You want to look for another thing. And you find yourself going to get a pig and bury in your ministry. Never. Or going to look for a shortcut to do. Lack of evidence and lack of patience. You say follow those who through faith and patience obtained. Obtained. There are men of God scattered across the business you want to do. There are covenant people. I mentioned if you want to know in business, as this guy called, they, they call him the wimpy man, the wimpy pastor. Google him, he's called the wimpy pastor. There's this other man again called what's he called? I think he's I forgot his name called Kambasha, Mr. Kambasha. There are billionaires and billionaires that are Christian. Your problem is the fact that because these unbelievers are posting their thing and these these Christians they are, they are, they are calm, making sure that they focus on the kingdom and stuff. The hell, there's one again. I just remember Holy Spirit, just thank you, Holy Spirit. Mr. Strive Masiwa, Econet. Born again, tongue speaking. Tongue speaking. For Lauren Shalakija, the richest black woman in Africa. Tongue speaking. Carries a Bible, preach the gospel. Covenant, it's there. Your problem is the fact that you are not looking. You are looking in the direction of your lost. You're not looking in the direction of God's gain for your life. You're lost. Lack of evidence and patience. Number five. What else again is the problem? The fact that the spirit of competition and ungodly comparison. The spirit of competition. We compete. Yeah. We compete. For example, we pastors. This pastor just buy short mic. You want to go and buy you, 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 your member is too. You want to go and buy short mic. How? How? Who deceived you? Who? Who? The ability for you, the spirit of competition. Kill it. See. Can I tell you? Let me help you. Do you know who you are competing with? You are competing with yourself. Your competition is the one yesterday. The one yesterday. If you know you achieved five yesterday, today compete with that one that achieved five yesterday, today achieved six. Your, your greatest competitor on planet Earth is yourself. Stop looking at people. Do you know what they do at night? Do you know what they go to? Do you know the altar they go and submit to? Do you know the, the, the demonic altar they go and they, they start? The necromancies they go and look just to make sure. And you are competing with them? Of course, you will not. You will not adhere to God's covenant. You will not. You will not. Your biggest competitor on planet Earth is you yourself and you. That's your competitor. Yesterday you produced five. Yes, today I'm going to produce six. Next month I'm producing seven. You keep advancing, as you appear before the King of Glory. You keep advancing. You keep growing. You keep advancing. The Bible says in First Timothy chapter one verse nineteen. First Timothy 1.19. It's called My Shift Thursday. So this is how My Shift Thursday is. We think. We think. I refuse to pastor a church where we are not a thinking church. No. How are you going to do that? Never. We must think. Let me say for as a man, think it. So that is a part of a man's thinking. It says for, it says behold, I think Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. It says God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. So there is a position of thinking in, in this kingdom. You must think. That's why it's called mind shift Thursday. We think. We think. If it has to work, then it's up to me. Stop questioning people. People resort. You don't even know where it's coming from and you are going to compete yourself there. And you wonder why you're having depression. 
You wonder why you are thinking of committing suicide at age 30, 35, 40. Really? When our fathers currently now, we pastors, for instance, our fathers currently now, Pastor E. Adeboye, redeemed Christians, you go 80. The man is not using walking stick. I said, Jesus. Hey, 80 years walking. Still young. The other day, before he moved City, he was touring Nigeria doing crusade at 80. You and I know too well. With this, our first page generation, 80. With the way we are going by 80, that is if God keep us alive, we would have died of depression. Or probably our body is weak. Because why? There is no vavavu. We've compete our strength out of life. Compete and compare. It says here, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19. It says, holding faith and a good conscience. It says, which of you have put away concerning your faith? And you have made a shipwreck. Because you keep competing. Why? Why? Hear me? Your best competitor on planet Earth is yourself. I'm not saying don't be motivated by some of these guys. For example, I'm motivated by guys like, I remember what I say, guys, in ministry that I'm doing, I'm motivated with fathers like Bishop David Oedipo, Pastor E. Adeboi, Pastor Poju Yemade, Apostle Joshua Selman, Apostle Felix Oko, um, what's it called? Pastor Jerry Eze. So I have them that I die and I get motivated. But guess what? All these guys that I mentioned their name, even down to South Africa, so that I don't think, okay, it's all Nigeria. Apostle Bishop Musa Sono, Pastor Andrew of Rivers, Pastor Rima Kwali of Rema, Pastor Joseph Matibula, Apostle Nikki. These five people I mentioned, I watch them. But guess what? I'm not competing with them. I'm not. Those guys are 20, 25 years in ministry. Some of them are even 30. In fact, let's even look at what's called Apostle Ray McCauley. 40 plus years in ministry, I was not born. I'll tell you, Professor, I've just given you an idea how old I am now. 40 plus in ministry. I was not born when that guy started ministry. So what's my business to go and compete with Rema? I can be motivated by the thing he has pulled up to tell myself that 40 years, this is how 40 years look like for me. Not to now want to achieve 40 years in four years. You'll be shocked how you go and put your head on a grave, sleep on, 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 on dead bodies. Because you want to make it in life. I pray that curse be broken off your neck today in the name of Jesus. Another thing also that includes this very particular problem is our inability to bear rule over the church. Our inability to bear rule. How do I know? The president and the team just brought in new regulations that the church must do one, two, and three. We enter flights to Durban, enter flight to P. There is no presentation of COVID certificate now for church. That, those are, that, that's, 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 that's racism. Let me call it that way. Wow. We can't bear rule over our own church. We're allowing government. Do you notice? Go and check your Bible. The government comes to meet the church for a solution. But in our generation, because we've missed the mark, we, the church, are going to meet government. How do we do the church? Do you see the error? The error. Guess what? Romans 8 that we focus today, the world is expecting us to manifest. But yet, we are still going to meet the world. What you people manifest for us now? Our inability to rule over our churches. We've put the church in the hand of politicians. That's why it has become what it is today. What else again? We also have too much focus on career and the get-rich syndrome. Too much focus. Career! <laughs> Obvious, that's a certain level career can bring for you. Oh, you see, don't get it twisted. I'm not this person who will tell you that, no, if you don't engage gun covenants, you won't, you won't encode, you won't prosper. You will prosper. But you will prosper even as your soul perish. So what is, do you want to prosper as your soul perish or you prosper as your soul prospers also? There's a certain level of your nine to five. Do you notice that some of you, for example, many of the people out there, 
you may not be participating in kingdom principles and stuff, but you've always, you, you still get yourself about at a particular player too. But as far as financial kingdom is concerned with God, there's a way you have to pull that part. For example, those of you who claim, okay, no, but I'm not going to church, but I'm healthy. Have you checked the amount of medical aid that you cover yourself with per day? You're not too well that a boy, I need medical aid. That medical aid can be your covenant sacrifice with God for long life and prosperity. But because of too much career, you see them, in fact, we haven't seen them scattered across in the circular, circular world where they wake up one morning and they put rope on their neck. Bah. That's what happens. When you break covenant, the Bible says, the serpent will bite. We also see also some of the thing is the fact that most of these people, they lack heaven's consciousness. They lack that. All right, quickly, within the next five minutes, let me see. As I bring my thought to a close, let's look at um, what are they in. What happened when you break the covenant? What happened when you break the covenant? What happened when you break the covenant? Number one, the enemy torments by causing death. It torments by causing death. The enemy torments by causing death. The enemy torments by causing death. The enemy torments by causing death. It says here, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. It says, if I shut the heavens on there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I sent pestilence among you, because you've broken my covenant. That's what happened. You get tormented. There are points scattered across here on my list, and I'm just going to call the points. Right? You, you write the scripture down so that you can then be able to go back and study yourself. You can also write Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, verse 19 and 20. Isaiah 1, 19 and 20 says, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel against my covenant, he says, you shall be devoured with the sword. He says, for the Lord's mouth has spoken it. <laughs> Not me. Isaiah 1, 19 and 20. Sometimes you're breaking the covenant. These are the things it brings upon your life. And yet you want to be prosperous. See, let me say this to help somebody this morning. I mean, this evening. If you want to prosper in the, in the world way, this is my admonitions. Go in there and do that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Go. Don't, don't stress yourself where you are in church and you're still looking to the world system. Just go and do it. Then you know that, okay, I have served the devil well. Then let me get the consequence that's going to come. Go. But if you want to do God's way, where at the end of it all, your eternal salvation, your eternal life is guaranteed, then do what it needs. It is either the world way or God's way. No, there is no your way. Do you notice that in these two ways, there is no your way. Your way is not there. You either do it the worldly system way or you do it the godly system way. Whichever one, your part is not needed in the two ways. Then choose. He said, I lay before you life and death, but I advise you choose. Advise you choose. What is again that we see? I'm trying to just look. Um, what's it called? Protections um, hitherto provided are deactivated. When you break God's covenant, protections are deactivated. Dead become irregular to the people. And also people work hard and take home little. They work hard and take home little. You can write down Leviticus chapter 26, 18 to 20. Leviticus 26, 18 to 20. What has again becomes the problem? Why people? Why when we break this very particular stuff, break covenant, 
is the fact that the enemy is energized and given legal ground upon our lives. The enemy is the enemy is energized and legal ground has been given to them to either torment your finance, torment your marriage, torment your career, torment whatever, whatever covenant you break, the enemy has access to it. You can write down um, Zechariah chapter 1, 14 to 16. Zechariah 1, 14 to 16. Let me just put one scripture, one, one point also as I bring my thought to a close. Um, delayed promise and prophecies becomes the order of the day. Delayed promise. And people begin to run after prophecies. Delayed promise. Delayed promise. Delayed prophecies. Delayed promise and prophecies. How do we know? Matthew chapter 24 verse 35 says here. Matthew 24 35. It says heaven and earth shall pass away. But my word shall never pass away. But when you break the covenant. That word will not become a reality in your life. It will not. Delayed promises. Delayed promises. Delayed promises. Delayed promises. I'm going to use this. I'm going to give this example as I bring my thought to a close. The story from my wife. She shared the story, so I believe that I have permission to share that very particular story. Um, what's the story? Um, she shared to me by the time before we got married. She told me because my wife, by God's grace, she chooses her part of life as a covenant she signed with God in her dealings. Um, she said during the period where. Um, um, she, with, with, with her career, her business, her life, she signed a covenant with God. And she was really growing in all those space. She was growing very well. But she refused to give God a covenant when it comes to her marital settlement. She refused. She told God, God, I know how to do this part. God, I got it covered. I got it covered. Guess what? <laughs> she faced the pain. Every of her finances, that's why the Bible says, he that breaks the edge. If you break edge of marriage, you will face it. You break the one for five, you will face it. Whichever one you break, whichever of the covenant you refuse to enter into, you will feel the pain. So at that very particular point in her marital ability for her to get married, and she wasn't ready, but when the pain begins to affect her, she now made a covenant with God. God, this is my standpoint. I am going to stay on you alone. Focus on you. As he does that, Four years, going to five years, focus, no man in her life until this very tall looking Idris Alba coming from Nigeria came in 2018 to marry her. But yet, she stayed five years seeking God's covenant when it comes to marital settlement. I tell you this very particular story because it is up to you if you are going to engage on the covenant or you are not going to engage on the covenant. I've given you why people don't do it. The damage and the consequence if you don't do it. At this very particular point on the Mind Shift Thursday, as your chill pastor, it is up to you according to your faith. Let's begin to pray. I want you to open your mouth wherever you are and begin to say to God, Lord, I've heard your word this moment. In any way I've wronged you, forgive me. In any part that I've done, my own part that, that, that I fall short, Lord, I'm sorry. Have mercy upon me. Cleanse me with your blood. Give me chance again. And as you make those very particular declarations, obviously he's going to give you the chance. He will give you the chance. He will give you the chance. Ask him to forgive you. Renew your covenant with him. Your covenant with your giving, your covenant with your prophets, your covenant in the name of Jesus, your covenant with the word of God, your covenant with day and night. Open your mind and just say, God, I'm here today. 
I don't want to play a game with my life. But if you know you want to play a game with your life, it's okay. I don't want to play a game with my life. And based on this, Lord, I'm back home. 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 Father, we thank you for this night. We appreciate you. Lord, your children have come to bring their voice to you. We ask that God you bless them. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in their life. To you we give all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, Amen. That's all we have for today. But be sure to continue listening to the Rested Life Conversations. At Platform Church, we are all about simplifying the process, providing solutions, and creating realities for you. If this message has blessed you and you want to be a blessing by supporting this ministry, please visit platformchurch.co.za. Platform Church, Family of Rest.